If you're feeling stressed out and you got a big frown, listen to our show and slow the fuck down. Welcome to Slow the Fuck Down Show. Time to take a break from your fast-paced life. I'm sensuality coach Casey Hall. And I'm trauma healer Elizabeth Menzel. Each episode, we choose a theme and explore different stories, skills, and songs to help you deal with the cluster cuss that is life in the ongoing stress of the pandemic. On today's episode, slow the fuck down with loving your body. Get cozy, grab your favorite beverage, and soak in our soothing support. By the end of the episode, you'll walk away with practical skills that actually work. We all live inside of our body every single day of our life from beginning to end, and yet we barely speak its language and seldom understand what it's trying to tell us. We judge how it looks, we ignore what it needs to be healthy, and we blame it when it gets sick or hurt. It's time to slow down and turn all that around. So if you want to improve the relationship you have with your body, we dedicate today's show to you. So we've actually delayed recording this episode two times because we needed to take care of our body. <laughs> and Casey and I really have a commitment to stay somatically aware, to keep aware of what's going on with our body, to what's going on inside of us. And we always want to imbue every episode with living what we're sharing with you so that we're radiating at the energy frequency of honesty and integrity and so we had to keep delaying this recording in fact elizabeth is so dedicated to loving her body that <laughs> i just watched her over the internet down raw oysters and raw liver and chase it down with orange juice just so that she could get what her body needs yeah it's disgusting, but that's that's what I have to do right now. I've finally learned how to take care of my severe anemia. Taking iron pills uh, doesn't do the trick because it puts too much iron into your system, and my uh, my system can't metabolize the iron. So then the iron acts like a poison. It's a heavy metal, right? So it acts like I'm swallowing metal, right? Because I'm not breaking it down. I'm not getting the nutrients out of it. But the oysters help you assimilate all of the vitamin A and the iron that you need from the liver and I've been doing it every day for a week and I'm sleeping better and my energy levels are better and so yay hemoglobin my body is gonna be <laughs> um, not anemic for the first time in my whole entire life so worth it way to love your body for me loving my body means caring for it on a whole bunch of different levels so there's the level of giving it the food it needs which has been a really long journey for me there's the level of giving it the sleep it needs and breathing in the right way there's the level of uh, safety i used to put myself in dangerous situations and now i do what i can to really keep my body safe my bed is a way that i love my body i've been on this odyssey with finding a comfortable mattress and i finally found one that's been a way that i love my body living in a home that feels secure and has enough room for me to do nonlinear movement and see my healing clients. And that's the way I love my body. The, the lotions <laughs> that I buy and, and put on my skin. Um, I only use natural lotions and natural soaps and natural laundry detergent because uh, otherwise my skin gets irritated. So that's the way I love my body. The way I dress it is the way I love my body. The clothes I wear, that they're comfortable, that they're a style I like 
like, um, that I can express myself through my fashion is one of the ways I, I feel like I love my body and honor it. The way I talk to my body and saying kind things. I've been on a, a real health journey for years and speaking kindly to my body and treating it with love instead of being mad at it for being sick for so long. That's a way I keep showing up and loving my body again and again. That my house always smells good <laughs> is another way I love my body, you know, insisting that my landlord do mold remediation is another way I'm loving my body. You know, having a man in my life that treats my body well and with respect is another way I show love for my body. So it's, it's a lot. Having a body is a huge responsibility. It is having a huge responsibility. And I love all those examples that you gave. And I feel like our listeners probably going, oh yeah, I never really thought of it that way. And in so much of the work that I do with my clients, it's really about building a relationship of love with your body. And you know, and that's how you get to that place of doing all those wonderful things for your body from a place of love. Yeah, because it can seem like a, a chore. I remember my mom saying to me once, Ugh, bodies, there's just always so much to do for it. It's like, yeah, there is. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. There's always so much to do for our bodies. When you think of like almost everything we do th throughout the day, is for our survival, right? And just as we have survive level and thrive level for our well-being in our life, like that directly connects to our love and care for our body. And when we do things from obligation, it always seems like a hassle. It never seems easy. It always seems like a chore. I have to work on that myself all the time, switching from oh my God, I have to eat again, <laughs> to wow, what a privilege that I get to nourish my body again, right? There's a real switch there with that. We get a body for such a finite time on this planet. And one of the ways to ensure our well-being and happiness is to really love this body up and to treat it with so much care and listening, really listening to your body. You know, I'm 55 years old, I'm in an aging body and that relationship with my body and, and learning to love my body just gets deeper and deeper and richer. I wasn't great at it when I was younger. I really ignored my body's needs. I didn't know it until recently, but I was severely undernourished most of my life. So I got used to not eating enough, but I didn't know I wasn't eating enough. So I didn't know that the signals my body was giving me, like exhaustion, <laughs> chronic fatigue, were the signals that I needed more nutrients. And I'm, I'm still learning how to deeply listen to my body. It's like, I feel like I'm a constant work in progress. I'm always getting better, <laughs> but it does really feel like I keep growing in my ability to love my body in the way it needs to be loved so it can feel healthy. And you listed some of the physical and mental ways that you love your body and our societal influences, of course, factor into that. Like I can think back to when I was little and the first time I remember even learning about my body was in our Wonders to Wonders class. Did you have those? No. Wonders to Wonders class. What's that? Wonders to Wonders. So I, I, when we were in fifth grade, this organization came in and for like a whole day, they divided the girls and the boys and they taught us all about puberty and what 
happens when you are entering into that stage and becoming a man and becoming a woman. And I remember them separating us. So we were like, what's going on? And then they start this presentation. And what I remember taking away from the presentation is they gave us this like pack of huge giant maxi pads, tampons, a stick of deodorant. And they were essentially saying, your body's going to change. You're going to get your cycle. It's going to be painful. You better hide it. And you're going to start to smell. And I remember going, oh no, like, why do I have to do this? Why is this a thing? And not at all being excited about becoming a woman because in their efforts to try to like inform us, they actually ended up kind of like freaking us out a little bit. And I just remembered this like eerie feeling, even in the boys and the girls after that, where, you know, we came back together and we were just kind of staring at each other and like, no one was like, yay, puberty. Everyone was like, what the hell is about to happen? You know, and that was kind of one of the, the first introductions into my body. And I just, I just remember that very vividly. And, and I remember doctor's appointments. I remember the first gynecology appointment that I went to, it was when they were really trying to promote the HPV vaccine. And so in that very vulnerable visit where for the first time you're having a doctor actually examine you, I remember them warning me against STIs or at the time it was STDs. Now they're called STIs, sexually transmitted infections. And then talking to me about getting this HPV vaccine so they don't get cervical cancer. And then I'm like, wow, crap. Okay, well, now I got to worry about that. And so, you know, we receive a lot of these great messages, hopefully from our, our friends and, and family, but there's a lot of ways in which just our, our lived experience has kind of put this, this shameful or this fear-based ideas into our heads about our bodies like there's something inherently wrong with them or it's dangerous to be in them i totally can relate to the belief of it's dangerous to be in this body i remember fifth grade sex ed we didn't get to call it wonders of wonders which i really love um <laughs> i don't remember feeling the shame the fear and shame then but i also didn't hit puberty for like another three four years so i think that helped to stave off that original uh, shame in that way. But I do remember playing kickball in our street in front of my house. And we all had yards. Why the fuck weren't we playing in yards? Why do kids insist on playing in streets? I don't know. But we lived at the bottom of this huge hill and we're playing kickball and I'm running from first to second base. And it happened in such a split second. A whole bunch of teenagers came down the massive, and when I say massive hill, like two mile long hill, they came down on their bikes at top speed. A bunch of us got hit by these teenagers on bikes and I got hit and I scarred my knee so badly. It was full of gravel and went to the doctor and, and they were like, yeah, this is going to scar. And I got a, that's when I found out I had a keloidic skin and I got a keloid scar. And I remember I was already, and that was at maybe 10, 11 years old, I was already feeling ashamed of my body because my thighs were fatter than other girls. And of course, I look back now and I was this totally skinny, gangly kid, but I was already so self-conscious about my thighs. And also I have translucent skin. You can see all of my veins. Um, so now that I'm an older woman, it looks like you can see all my veins because I'm an older woman, but I've been that way since I was a small child and always been ashamed of that. And now I had this scar on top of all these veins, on top of the fat thighs, and I didn't want to go to gym class anymore. And I was too 
too ashamed to wear shorts. And no one else said anything shaming to me about my body. But of course, it's in the society all around us and in magazines and, and all of that. So that's how my shame around my body started. Yeah, and you certainly weren't alone. According to the National Organization of Women, a study shows that by age 13, 53% of American girls are unhappy with their body. This grows to 78% by the time girls reach 17. Well, slow down fans, can any of you relate to that statistic? I sure can. I've never had a weight problem in my life. In fact, I've never even thought about it for myself or for other people. With the health issues I've been going through in the last few years, I've doubled in size. And so now I have shame attached to that. And if I think about it, I have always found something to be ashamed about with my body. For over 30 years, I had adult cystic acne. So I was always ashamed about my face and finally healed that. I've accumulated so many more scars on my legs and all over my body. So then have the shame around that. So I'm trying to think if there's ever been a time where even a little bit, I haven't felt ashamed of my body. And I don't think that I've experienced that since I was a small child. And I know that a lot of, especially women can relate to that, but you know, men can relate to that too. I read a statistic where 80% of women judge themselves at least nine times before 9 a.m. So I know I'm not the only one that feels ashamed or judgmental about some aspect of their body. You know, when you just said, I don't think there's been a time that you haven't been judgmental about your body since you were a little girl, I was like, oh man. And then I sat there and I'm like, wait a second, I'm the same. You know, at first I was like, oh, and then I was like, wait a second, yeah. Even with as much work as I've done around self-love it's it's just there. There's so many different aspects of it and so many different layers and influences that encourage that. If you were to look at me back in high school, you would think that, oh, this is a athletically fit girl. I don't even think, I don't think I had an ounce of fat on me. Even then I can, I can remember the little subtle ways that this body judgment crept in. I hit puberty early and I was told after puberty that you grow boobs and I'm like, all right, okay, boobs hit puberty. And I wait a year. I'm like, where's my boobs? Two years, three years, four years. And I'm like, man, okay, my boobs are taking a long time. And then they just, they didn't come. And so I remember being in high school and there was this weird thing that was going on. I don't know if it was just in my school or I think it was kind of just the age group, but there was either an ass man or boob man. You were fine as long as you had one or the other. So because I never had boobs and I judged myself, I was like, okay, well, I guess all the guys are going to like my ass then. When I think about that now as an adult, I'm like, how messed up is it that like half of us is just completely dismissed in that situation that it was like more than half. More than half. Yeah. Right. Like there were these there were these two qualifiers that made you a attractive woman. And if you missed one, you you better have the other. But I remember really judging myself for that and almost be thinking like my body was kind of broken because I was told puberty happens, then these boobs come and these boobs didn't come. And I'm like, oh well, I must have something wrong with it then. Right, right. There must be something wrong with me. Who who hasn't had that thought? Right. And then we just find ways to perpetuate it, right? It's like whatever you pay attention to, right? That's what your mind perseverates on. So you start finding from a young age the things to judge your body for. And then you just keep finding more ways to judge your body. It's not thin enough. The boobs aren't big enough. Your neck isn't smooth enough. You're, you don't have a thigh gap. I've never had a thigh gap, by the way. <laughs> When I was in my early 30s and only weighed 117 pounds, I'm 5'6". I did not have a thigh gap then either. So 
<laughs> I've never had a thought yet. We don't get into the habit of viewing our body from a space of love. We get in a habit of viewing our body from a place of judgment. And what we're inviting you to do and what Casey and I have been doing for so many years is finding the love, finding a way to love your body, to speak, act, care for your body with love, to look at your body with love. Okay? I have an exercise in my Happy Woman training program that's about standing in front of the mirror and looking at yourself with love. It starts with that and then lovingly putting on lotion and then lovingly dancing at your reflection in the mirror and constantly looking at yourself and speaking words of love to your body. And it is the exercise that women put off doing the most and have one of the hardest times with. It takes a lot to be able to just really be there with yourself in front of the mirror naked and love yourself. And what a shame that we don't raise our sons and daughters from a very young age to truly deeply love their body. What a different society we, we would have if it was full of people that loved and cared for their bodies. Oh my gosh. And we have a skill coming up for you that you get to practice one way to love your body in a little bit. One of the ways that I've transformed my judgments into love and ways to love my own self is to talk to my body like I would a child that I deeply deeply loved. And when you do that, you set that intention, you really start to catch yourself in those moments of judgment where you are saying something really terrible to yourself. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, I would never, never say that to a child that I love. I would never let a child that I love go six to eight hours without eating. I would never not let them go to the bathroom. I would never not let them go out and move and exercise if they wanted to over and over and over again. But for some reason, we don't treat ourselves with that level of love. We're so much harder. And so that kind of mental check and be like, wow, would I do this? Would I do this to a child that I love? And what if I treated my body that way has been very eye-opening. Yeah, I actually have a best-selling book on Amazon called Supercharge Your Health Vibe. And the subtitle of the book is The Scientifically Based Inner Secret of How to Feel Energized and Healthier, Even If You Have a Medical Condition or Physical Limitations. When I wrote this, it's coming from that space of, you know, that I've been a, a healer for 30 years and there's this expectation that healing always looks like being a hundred percent perfectly healthy in every way right and especially a hundred percent perfectly physically healthy and I'm a really powerful hands-on energy healer and dealing with health issues but it's not taking away from the fact that I'm a super powerful healer and how do I move right from this place of judgment to love it's so incredible because since writing this book, my health issues have become more problematic, but I've kept doing all of my trauma release, self-healing, and I got to have a reality check that a lot of people don't really get to have. Welcome and to that is I went to a specialist to a doctor who did a ton so of different Casey blood tests and sent my blood to Germany and had it tested and did all of these things. And when she got the results stories, she said, these are some of the worst results I've ever seen. People with these results have severe chronic fatigue syndrome to the point 
point where they can't get out of bed. You're running a full healing practice. You're doing your podcast. You're happy. You're pleasant. You're super present. And I said, yeah, it's because I do all these energy practices. I kept my energy up and felt much better than my test shows that I should have felt. And so that's an interesting thing too, is I could still channel this energy through me at such a high volume, such a high rate, and still have things to heal. So there's a lot of love and acceptance that needs to happen with that so that I can function at the healthy level I've been functioning at that seems impossible compared to what my how my blood tests say I should be feeling. And to do that without denial, but with actual care, right? I think some people push themselves forward. I wasn't pushing myself. And I think that's a big difference too, because some people just deny their aches or pains or deny their issues or problems or how they're feeling, push them way down and just keep soldiering on. That's not what I was doing, right? I was taking as good care of myself as I possibly could and doing all of these energy exercises, which help, had me feeling energized. Bodies are amazing, like the whole mind-body connection. And I never want to leave energy out of that because it's not just mind and body. It's mind-body, energy, emotions, environment. It's all of it together. Thank you for normalizing that you can love yourself while having health issues and not being quote-unquote perfect or denying that anything is wrong with you. You you still get to learn ways to love yourself and you just demonstrated that beautifully. Mm, thank you. This is how to make some really great shifts and this is what I do all of the time. It's like, oh shit, my body doesn't absorb nutrients really well. I'm having digestive issues. Acknowledge, oh, this thing is happening. I'm having a hard time digesting food. There's another thing to say, damn it, body, you're doing a really bad job of digesting food and you should be doing better. So I've learned to not scold my body, to acknowledge, oh, I have this thing that's happening. And then to build the energy frequency of the opposite. So part of that is saying, hey body, I'm really trying to work this out and we're getting better and better at digesting our food and we're getting better at assimilating nutrients. So part of what that does is I'm building a neural pathway to doing good things for my body. Another thing that does, you're bringing attention to a positive possibility, right? So I'm bringing attention to the fact that I could assimilate nutrients from my food instead of feeding the negative thing that I don't want anymore. The other thing that I believe that does is it's a tool of manifestation in which it opens the doors to attract the right kind of help. So as I say, my body is getting what it needs. My body's getting it what it needs to assimilate the nutrients from food. My body's digesting food really well. My body is healing. As I'm saying that, I'm opening up the doors to people, to foods, to situations that can help me. So I'm not just doing it alone within a vacuum, like I have to have this all on my own shoulders. Like I just said in the opening, for the first time in my life, I am doing something that is most likely healing my anemia in the right way. I was told I was anemic since I was five years old and that I don't assimilate nutrients. I was never taught how to create the changes in my body needed so that I could, so my 
my whole life I've had the mantra of, yep, I can't assimilate nutrients, right? So, I mean, I just started shifting it. And one of the specialists I'm working with taught me the trick with the liver and the oysters. And I think that opening occurred because I've gotten really strong about repeating to myself over and over what my body could or can do as if it's doing it and really talking to it in a way of like, okay, we're going to get through this. I have this saying, I'm going to love myself through this. So whether it's with my body or if depression hits or if something happens in my life that I really wish didn't happen, one of my mantras is I'm going to love myself through this. Love is such a powerfully healing energy frequency. And for me, it keeps hope alive. It keeps the doors open to a new positive thing happening. It lets me let go of whatever limitations I had that were holding me back from the healing I wanted. I'm going to love myself through this. I'm just loving myself through this. You know, when depression hits, it hardly ever hits hard anymore. It hardly ever takes me down anymore. But when I have an episode, one of the things I've gotten great at is loving my body through it. So I eat. I rest, I move, I breathe, and I can get through a depressive episode in hours now, which anyone that suffered with depression knows how amazing that is. So really loving up my body and then doing my energy and my mindfulness practices, but not without that foundation of making sure you're getting the nutrients and rest you need and the movement you need. Because when that body foundation isn't in, you can be doing all the great things to heal yourself, but not feel like you're moving forward. And that is always back to body, to how you're caring for your body, your biological needs. Are you meeting them? And that meeting your biological needs and building that body foundation in and of itself is why learning how to truly love yourself is worth it. In the past three months, I have had a lot of amazing things happen. We opened up the love school. We launched season three. I'm doing awesome stuff to my house. And I have dealt with heartbreak, loss of my uncle, and what that means moving forward for other family members. And from afar, there are these things that feel like these highs, lows, ups, downs, ups, downs. Like, And because I have loved my body and at the bare minimum just taken care of my biological needs, I have held myself through it like I never have before. I could not have navigated all of this as well as I have if I was not deeply loving my body and showing up for it. And the other piece I want to add there too is it's, yes, it helps you get through the challenging parts, but what it also did is it allowed me to enjoy and celebrate the great parts of that. And often that can get overlooked when you're going through something really difficult, but that didn't happen. I could be like, yay, today was amazing or yay, today freaking sucked, but then tomorrow's going to be better. You know, I, I got to feel all of the different levels of that and, and honor them for exactly what they were without it being overcast by something bad. So according to the World Health Organization, to be healthy means a combination of three interconnected things, physical, mental, and social well-being. And that measuring your actual health means examining how well you function in your own body and mind and in your interactions with others. Like, can you complete all the physical tasks required by your life without injury or fatigue? 
Are you able to regulate your emotions? Are you maintaining relationships? And if you can answer yes to all three, that means you're pretty healthy. And if you can't, you can see what areas of your life you need to improve to go forward so you can love yourself and love your body better to feel healthier and happier. And I love that the World Health Organization includes physical, mental, emotional, social, relational. I love that they include all of that into the definition of health because that's such a holistic way of looking at health. And you know, how you feel or the state of mind that you're in when you eat can either raise or lower your metabolism. Mm-hmm. So when you say, oh, I really shouldn't have a piece of cake and then you feel guilty and you feel shame as you're eating it, you are actually lowering your metabolism. <laughs> With all that my crazy food stuff and health stuff going on, I have always celebrated eating the cake. So I'm really grateful for that. <laughs> you might, you are literally better off celebrating the crap out of the piece of cake that you are about to eat then rip yourself apart or feel guilt around it. Just another reason to make to make eating a celebration. Yeah, I'm even trying to do that with the raw livers and oysters. I kind of feel like a badass when I'm doing it because it's so disgusting to me. <laughs> but I have it in this free frame of like, fuck yeah, I'm doing this awesome thing for myself. And it's kind of <laughs> crazy. I get a bit of an adrenaline rush, I think, maybe doing it. I'm, I'm doing it with this like gusto. And this like, okay, yeah, whoo, and I get myself all pumped up to do it. And I think that's been helping me too. Absolutely. I call it food foreplay. I'll plan my meals, what I'm going to eat during the day. I will spend all day being excited and thinking about like the delicious dinner I'm going to have or whatever that next meal is. And I think about how it's going to taste. And I think, oh, where could I eat it? Should I be out on the porch? Should I light a candle? And I will literally food foreplay. And then when I sit down to eat, I turn off all distractions and I'm totally with that food. And I know that because I do that and I really Am, am fully present and am loving the food. I'm paying attention to the nutrients, where they came from, giving gratitude to the trees and the sun and the earth and everything that had to happen in order for this food to be right here, right now in front of me. Eating it with that absolutely is healthy for my body and my metabolism. As a healthy sensuality coach, part of loving your body requires first building a relationship of safety within it. So with all of my clients, we go through a process of getting present, taking a breath, establishing safety, safety in their physical surroundings. So looking around and seeing what they can see that lets them know that they're physically safe. So the floor, the chair, the walls. And then we go in and we, we close the eyes and we find a part of the body that feels safe and supportive. And then we go into exploring whatever it is that we're going to explore. And this process is so important because if the body does not feel safe, it doesn't trust you, you know, kind of just like a, a relationship that you're in. You know, if that person does not feel safe when they are with you and they're not going to trust you and it takes a lot of interactions with that same person in order for them to develop that sense of safety and build trust with you. And the same goes for your body. Yeah, you know, I love that you brought that in because throughout my life, I always thought that I was eating intuitively and I ate 
tons of vegetables and I was vegan for a long time and I would fast a lot and uh, do the fat flush cleanse all the time every three months regularly and do the master cleanser and I was just like oh I'm doing all these great things for my body but the deeper truth was that I wasn't doing great things for my body I was so used to feeling anxious all of the time that that was my normal right and anxiousness is comes from this inherent lack of safety and so I was so used to feeling that, that I didn't know that I was undernourished and that that anxiety was a message from my body. And that unsafe feeling I always had was a message from my body. And I didn't know. I thought I was having a good relationship and I wasn't. I didn't identify how they all went together, had no idea and thought I was doing all the right things. You know, and then I can see that in like romantic relationships too, earlier in my life where you think you're doing all the right things, but oh, are you actually in communion? You know, and I'm in a great relationship now. And we just went into another deepening with that, where it deepens your level of safety and deepens your level of communication and communion and relating. Well, I hope you can be very gentle on yourself with the thinking that you were eating intuitively and it actually ended up not being the best thing because I don't know a person out there who couldn't benefit from cultivating and growing that sense of safety in their body so that they can have that awareness of like, oh, wait a second. Now that my body feels safe enough to feel, I'm actually realizing that when I do this thing, I don't feel good. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, like I even from an intimacy standpoint, I love the work I do so freaking much because as I have cultivated a sense of safety in my own body, my intimacy has just shifted. It's like I'm realizing that things that I thought that I liked, I, I don't actually like or things that I I've heard that I was like, oh, God, I, yeah, I'd never be into that. I'm I'm into and, and it's this whole other uh, world that opens up of accessibility when you don't you take the guesswork out of it and you just listen to your body and you let her tell you exactly what she wants or doesn't want. And and God, is that easier? And, and that can change, too, right? Yeah, it's dynamic. Yeah, it's dynamic. You can have a, a go to foreplay move that just like normally does it. And then all of a sudden, one time it's not doing it. And it's okay because in that moment, you can stop, check in with your body and be like, you know what, actually, babe, I need a little bit more time. And can you switch it up and try something different? And that is the the beauty of, of cultivating a sense of safety so that your body can talk to you and just tell you what it wants and what it doesn't want. That's been happening more and more in my sexual intimacy lately as I love my own body more and get into more communion with my body. I'm able to be more communicative about what my body wants and needs during sexual intimacy. And it's new for me. Yeah. So like loving your body, just it shows up in every single aspect of your life. And I especially want to say this to the women, because we talked about how women can be hard on themselves and judge themselves. But ladies, sometimes you can be hard on each other too. And you can judge each other. And I don't know what it's like now, but I remember there being a lot of tension in the spiritual hippie girl community back in the 90s between girls who shave their legs and armpits and girls who did not shave their legs and armpits. 
tits. And there was so much shade thrown in both directions. And I was always like, who fucking cares? Shave if you want to shave. Don't shave if you don't want to shave. Like that's so personal. Like I don't want women to do things to themselves out of an outside pressure, but to do it from their own internal sense of love and care. So for me, like sometimes I love how it feels when I let the hair grow out on my legs. And sometimes I love how it feels when it's nice and smooth and silky. That's mine. It's it's for me, from me. It's the same thing with like, oh, you should never dye your hair. If your hair goes gray, you should just let it go gray. Like, fuck you and your shoulds. If you want to go gray, you go gray. But don't judge other women who don't feel like that. And same thing with, with all of it, with how women dress, if they get Botox and fillers, if they have a boob job, like again, Again, if it comes from within and an expression of your own love and care and beauty and confidence, beautiful. I think the danger is when it's coming from like an outside pressure that isn't about you. But when you do that to other women, then you're the one putting the outside pressure on them. Yeah. My teacher of my love, sex and relationship course uh, Layla Martin had a really interesting perspective that she shared on jealousy. And it was when you see a woman and you find yourself saying something judgmental and you find yourself being very jealous of her. One way to switch that around is to acknowledge it first. Acknowledge, oh yeah, the, look at it through the lens of this woman has something that I want. This woman has something that I like. This woman has something that, that I want more of for myself. And when you do that, it kind of takes the charge away and it shifts it from judging that person to almost celebrating that woman and being like, hell yeah, man. I think it is about celebrating the other woman. I celebrate other women all the fucking time. I see a beautiful woman and I'm just like, yeah, girl, get it. Thank you for bringing that beauty into my world. <laughs> but I think that's a shift that occurs that when you start to love yourself more, you start to realize the ways in which you weren't loving yourself and you were judging yourself and then you become extra aware of it when you're projecting it on other women and then you can love them more and then you can celebrate them more. So as you can tell, Casey and I could talk about loving our bodies forever. <laughs> And we know that this stuff can be hard to do on your own and to make these shifts. And we have a combined 41 years of professional experience and we're here to help you. Love your body with our super slow down stress relief classes where you will learn the non-linear movement method. This scientifically proven method gets the dregs of trauma in the form of trapped stress hormones out of your cells. It's a safe space. It's easy to do. Nobody can see you doing it. These classes are open to all genders. So dudes, you're welcome to be there too. Go to the happywomanacademy.com slash NLMM class. We'll see you the second Saturday of every month. Hey, Slowdown fam, it's me, Mother Nature. I love how I feel as a tree. My trunk keeps me sturdy and strong. My roots dig deep in the earth and connect me to other trees for miles and miles. I love how my branches provide the perfect environment for leaves to grow and absorb the sunlight. I love how my form changes from season to season to adapt in ways that serve my highest good. You may see just a tree, but I feel a whole world and life cycle that works in harmony within itself and the environment. 
and I love every single part of me. Thank you, Mother Nature. And now for your slowdown skill. So this is a powerful and simple slowdown skill. What you're going to do is you're going to stand in front of a mirror, close your eyes, open them, and say one thing out loud that you either love or are grateful for about your body. So stand in front of a mirror, close your eyes, open them and say one thing out loud that you love or are grateful for about your body. I do this in the morning and I've gotten to a point where I can find close to 10. And I remember when I first started this, it was really challenging because when you first open your eyes and you look in the mirror, you to go and find the thing that it doesn't like or the thing that's wrong. And so when you do this skill, you're actually training your brain to get into the habit of finding the things that it loves or that it's grateful for. I love this slowdown skill so much. And I'm impressed that you got up to 10 things. That is powerful. You can start with one mm -hmm. <laughs> and then keep working your way up. And I love this too, because our body is doing thousands of processes at the same time. And we focus on that one or two things that we judge ourselves for instead of the thousands of things we could be feeling grateful for instead. So I really love this skill. Thank you for bringing it in, Casey. And now for our slowdown song. So if you've noticed in season three, we have new music for our intro and outro and during your slowdown skill. And that is the music of Willie McNeil. Willie and I have been friends since I was 16 years old. He loves our show and you will love his music. He's actually a drummer and he has, gosh, probably seven different bands. <laughs> He's supported himself playing drums his whole life, which is an admirable feat in and of itself, something to celebrate. So our intro song is Carnival du Sokurasau. And I'm probably saying that totally wrong because I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> right, but it sounded totally cool. So we're going with it. And our slowdown skills song is called When You're All Alone. That's that slow, sexy sax song. <laughs> so we will have links to that on our Facebook page and on our Patreon page. And if you love our show, you can support us at patreon.com slash slow the F down show. Thank you, Willie. We love, love, love your music. Casey, what was your favorite part of today's show? Watching you shoot down oysters and liver and chase them with orange juice was something that I've never seen before. And uh, I, I have to say that was it was highly entertaining. Oh, they were great. I was trying to screenshot it. But... And I really liked talking about the importance of cultivating safety and building a safe relationship inside your body and how that really kind of sets the container for for self-love to occur. 
What was your favorite part? I think my favorite part was talking about the mantra, I'm going to love myself through this. Even just saying it now, it opens up my heart more. Like I can feel the resonant chamber of my heart chakra just open every time I say it. So I hope our, our slowdown fans use that for themselves too. If you love our show, become a patron. You'll get tons of goodies. Go to patreon.com slash slow the F down show and pick the tier that feels best to you. Thank you so much for your love and support. If you're feeling stressed out and you got a big frown, listen to our show and slow the fuck down.